0: to Last Call with Jamie and Christian. Our guest today, Brian Levinson, an author of Shift Your Mind and the founder of Strong Skills. Welcome to the show, Brian. I'm looking forward to being able to have you be able to share some of those perspectives of, of just the passions that you have and the things that you love to do.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we often talked about the pandemic and you always would say connection is our gift. And I know how much you cared about building relationships with your guys and being around them all the time and having an open door policy. And I, I've been thinking about this lately, so maybe this is something we can talk about, which is how are great relationships built? And I think for both of us, we believe in the power of vulnerability, and the power of, you know, active listening and uh, really being there for people. I'm starting to wonder, though, are relationships built based off value? And what I mean by that is like, at the end of the day, we're not going to want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't add value to us in some way or capacity. And so for sports coaches, I wonder if they need to focus on making people better and adding value to them. And that should be like the foundation of their relationship. And I think the same thing with my wife, like if she doesn't make me better and add value to my life, I'm not so sure how great our partnership is going to be. And when my friends aren't necessarily adding value to my life, how strong is our relationship going to be? And so I think sometimes we might get it backwards and think that relationship is about attaboys or taking someone out to lunch or texting them. But at the end of the day, like, how are we adding value to the people in our lives? Because And are they adding value back to us? And so I know I went deep into a tangent there, but I know relationships are a big deal for you.
0: Yeah. You know, something I've been really working on is this understanding of shallow end, deep end. I haven't haven't shared this with you yet you know, the shallow end relationship is sort of like uh, music, thoughts, commonalities, things that we can generally like, same football team, sports and stuff. But when you get to in deep end, you find out the why and the how and the because with all those things, like why do they like this football team? And it could be some relationship they had with their father or whatever. And just being able to get as many people as you can in your organization into the deep end with you, right? And it's this notion of, if we're going to get into the deep end, then we have to trust each other, right? If we're in the shallow end and something happens in the pool, you're, you're touching the bottom, you just jump out, right? It's like, this isn't my problem. But if I'm in the deep end, I've got to make a decision. I've got to either be committed to help the person or I've got to swim to the side to get out, right? So I, I think so much of it is about being in the deep end and how can we get into the deep end? We use the word vulnerability a ton, um, vulnerability, trust. But I think it's so much more than that when you really talk about adding value and the importance of that.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you got fired, like I, for me, it's like, we're going to still have a relationship even though I'm not going to see you at Foggy Bottom as much. And I think it's because we had a deep deep end relationship. Like we'd, we'd had long t- conversations about things involving basketball, but beyond basketball. And, uh, and yeah, so I don't think like an event will change a strong long-term relationship if it's deep and meaningful. And um, and and there's value added, right? And so um, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying this in a transactional way, but like, Jamie, if you didn't make our conversations fruitful, if you didn't, if I didn't like get a lot out of those conversations, I wouldn't feel as much energy to come back and continue to have those conversations. And so I think, we can get, we can have all kinds of different relationships and it's fine if, like, it's fine if it's a shallow relationship, if that person's going to be really loyal and that person's always going to show up when when you need them. Um, like, it's okay to just have a beer, you know, and, and eat some wings and watch a game. And that can be a great friend. Um, and so, like, sometimes those can be shallow because those people add value to my life in a different way. Or they, yeah. are they add value in that, like, some days I just want to, Sit on the couch and watch football and like that's a part of me too and so yeah I, I just think connections relationships um I, I love the deep ones but even some of the shallow ones if they add value to my life like I'm I'm cool with them like it it's it's cool it's cool with me too
0: yeah you know I think when I think about the shallow relationships that really work right it's like we're in the dorm room we're watching football we're hanging out um someone brings great humor to the room. Um, they always have like a funny story or something that happened to them all that week. Or, you know, those are people that you really value that you want to have around you because they bring happiness and maybe that is value, right? It is. It is. and And I think when you talk about a shallow relationship, it isn't always a two way street. Like I may be deeper with someone and they may only be shallow with me. Right. And just recognizing and being aware of just where you stand with people and where they stand with you.
1: Yeah. I remember being in a car with someone once and, uh, you know, there were two people in the front. One was driving, the other was sitting shotgun. And in the back, I was with someone and uh we were traveling and And I was asking the person a bunch of questions. And the person in that was sitting shotgun was like, would you stop interviewing him? You're not on a podcast. Like that wasn't a time for maybe a, a deep conversation. Maybe that was a time to look out the window and notice the restaurants from what we were passing on the highway. And that's cool too. So I, I just bring it up because I, I think like there are, all kinds of different relationships. And I tend to like to go deep. I think a lot of my friends go deep with me when they don't go deep with others. Um, and, I, and that's cool. And I appreciate being that, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, there are, there are so many ways to add value uh, to people. And uh, for coaches that are listening to this, like, that's what it comes down to, right? Like, you, you know, this to be true, Jamie, and there, you, you've played for coaches, you've worked alongside coaches that all have different styles and philosophies. But at the end of the day, if a coach can add value to a person and a player, like that person or player is going to respond really well to them. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the noise. It's like, hey, our job as friends or as parents or as coaches is to add value to people. Um, and it's, it kind of becomes simplistic if you think of it like that. Um, but it really is true. Like. How are we adding value? Even like we go with sort of zoom out and, and really think big. It's like kind of our, our role on this planet, right? Yeah. Like leave it better than you found it uh, and and add value in some some way, shape or form.
0: Yeah. You and I actually went through this. Um, I don't want to say it was an exercise. but We spent a long time talking about this. I used to have this sign in my office and said, it's all about family. Um, and then I really like, you know, about midway through GW, I was like, man, this this isn't a family, you know, and that's not a negative, you know, I'm not saying that to be a negative. I love those guys. So hopefully those guys love us, but, but I'm their coach and they're my player. And now that relationship will change over time, right? It's coach player. Then it becomes sort of like coach mentor, usually when they're like kind of seniors and a little bit out of college. And then when they get older becomes probably friends, right? You're still coach, but you become more friends because you kind of see the world the same way. And so we really actually worked through this activity a little bit because I started pushing back on, you know, why do we have to be family? You know, everyone at a family eats the same amount every time we sit down at the dinner table. Um, and that's not the reality of a basketball situation. Like we're not all going to eat the same amounts. Um, and there, it, there does need to be a hierarchy of how we interact and how we play and how we perform. Um, So just talk a little bit about how you and I kind of work through that and your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I've struggled with that word and it's often overused in sport and, and in business too. And the word I always like is community i think communities support each other they have each other's back they're sort of in the foxhole together um there's pride in a community or a tribe or whatever word you want to say uh and for a basketball team especially at the division 1 level or at the pro level there's an obligation that you're playing for something bigger than yourself you're playing for your community whether it's your university or your city and there's great power in community but don't get it twisted like if my next door neighbor starts acting like a fool uh <laughs> It could get ugly. Right. And um, I think the same thing in, in college basketball, if you have a, a kid that's acting a fool, like there are consequences and that person might need to get kicked out um, and go find somewhere else to be. And so, like, to me, I think where that's what happens in communities. I think um, that word resonates with me more than, than family does and I've just, look, I have a very strong family. I love my family deeply. It's going to be very, 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 very hard for me to not have a relationship with my immediate family. Um, and, uh, my grace for them and my tolerance, I think is way higher than it would be if I was coaching a sports team.
0: Yeah. It's, um, you know, cause I see it all the time. It's cause like, this is like my brother, you know, like we had, you know, Oh, this is my brother. This is my brother. And I'm like, that's, that's not your brother. Like I have a brother, you know, I get really mad at my brother. And I, when I was a teenager, I get really mad at my brother. And then I'd come home and I'd have to deal with my brother and I have to figure it out every single time. You know, even if I was mad at him for days at a time, and we we're kind of going back and forth at it. Yeah. One know? is
1: finite and one's infinite, right? Like what, yeah. like, Let's just take a college basketball team. Like, all right, they're gonna be your brother maybe for four or five years, and now maybe six years, whatever it is. But you know, it's finite. And you could say, well, then we're alums. Yeah, but then you're not necessarily celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and everything else. So I just think there's a difference between a finite game and an infinite game. Um, yeah. And even in business, like, business isn't infinite, like, uh, in terms of how long people stay at a place. Uh, the best businesses, like typically the CEO moves on and um, the people in the business move on. And um, I recently had Patty McCord on my podcast and she ran human resources for Netflix for a long time. And she, she often says uh, she has a lot of respect and admiration for sports teams and colleges. And she would say, people have pride when they say, Oh, I went to college in Maryland. I'm from university of Maryland. And so she said at Netflix, like we wanted people to say, Oh, I'm from Netflix. And they take a lot of pride that they were from there. And I think that's the beauty of a university. It's like, yeah, I'm from the university of Maryland. I'm from the San Antonio Spurs. I'm from the new England Patriots. Like be proud to be from the place you were at, but you're going to change and you're going to go somewhere new and it's going to be beautiful and, and amazing as well. It's, it's different than a family where you carry that last name with you. Um, Unless you get married and change your last name. And, but like, that's, that's, kind of a, a much different piece of your
0: identity. Yeah. And when you talk about a community and you talk about a tribe, you automatically assume that everyone has different roles and responsibilities and there's different value that's already inherited in that conversation. And that using that one word, you know, there it, there are differences. Um, I, and I started trying to adopt that more and more and more. Community, organization, tribe, um, just because i program
1: right like i yeah some of the nba teams are and the nba and nfl teams all use the word program now which they kind of took from you know division one programs yeah um, but yeah it's a program like we're running a program we're trying to win you know some days you're going to play minutes some days you're not some days you're going to be uh you know the best out there and some days you're gonna be the worst sometimes we're gonna look at you and tell you, you need to be better and like that's that's what's beautiful about sport is that you know it is a little bit of an emotional roller coaster ride, and there is so much unknown that goes into it. but yeah, i've I've had a lot of conversations over a lot of years with a lot of sports coaches about family and the use of that word,
0: yeah. Let's dive into you know something we really worked worked closely together on is identity cultivation. Um, I think one of my biggest fears is always that our players only see themselves as basketball players. You have a ton of work as a mental skills coach as well. Let's just talk about identity cultivation, you know, with the activity you'd put our team through. And and let's just talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so we use a framework that we call your personal framework. And what we try to identify are your values, which really speak to who am I? What's my character? Who who am I most of the time? What do I value? So you start there as like a foundation baseline. Then you go to your mission, which is... um, Why do I do what I do? It's a belief. And so from values, you go to mission, which is a belief as far as why I play ball or why I do anything. From there, you go to the philosophy, which is how or the way in which you operate. And then from there, you go to what, which is what you will do, and that's your vision. And so we really work our way from values to mission to philosophy to vision. I understand these are distinctions and these are words, and different people might think a mission is an outcome. I think a mission is more of a belief, and I think a vision is more of an outcome. And so one of the things I loved doing with you is uh, you're one of the first coaches that are like, yeah, let's go deep into this stuff. And so we had all of the players on your team really identify their own personal framework and then we would try to map that on onto, onto the team's framework because uh, I think every team should have clarity around their values around why they do what they do, their philosophy, like the way in which they play, how they want to operate, I think is one of the things that I really believe, I believe in. It's a system. And then what we'll do, I think most sports teams know as far as, you know, they're playing to win championships they're playing to win. That's usually pretty clear, but they don't always really spend time on the values and the mission, and the philosophy.
0: Yeah. You know, I always felt like it was really important because you know, number one, I'm always trying to assess information about our team and I want to know where they are right now, but I also want to know where they're, where they're heading, where they want to go to. Um, what it allowed for us to be able to do is, you know, we would, we had this meeting structure that I'm obviously really passionate about. Um, we could, we would start there basically every meeting and just, you know, you know, when, when something happened, it was like, where are you with your values? And we would talk about using our values almost as a filtration system them to be able to make the decisions that they want to make. Um, I don't believe that how you do one how you do one thing is how you do everything. <laughs> I don't believe that I think that's a, a really bad phrase actually um, but I do think the person you want to be you want to be striving for that more often than not and I think the values is a great way to distinct to have a distinction between who I want to be and who I am today.
1: yeah I agree with you I, I don't I don't like that phrase either because we're imperfect so <laughs> Uh, How I'm going to be in one environment is not necessarily I'm going to be in another environment. And I don't always act with the integrity that I wish I would act with. I don't always act with the alignment of my values. And one big thing on values that I've come to understand is the order of your values really matters. And Mm -hmm. so, like if I if I value justice and that's my number one value, like that's probably going to be the driver that's going to determine everything. If I were to value uh, achievement, but justice is my number one value, I'm probably gonna tell the ref, Hey, like that ball was off me. Right. You know, those old commercials where the the kid goes and says, ah, that was off me. Right. Uh, But like, if justice is my number one value ahead of achievement, that might show up and it doesn't mean I don't value achievement. It just means that I value justice primarily. And so I think one of the issues we run into with people in general is that we think just because the order of their values is different doesn't mean they value it. So just because I said, oh, that was off me because Justice is going to be my leading driver doesn't mean I'm still not competitive and value achievement. It just means the order is different. And so as a coach, I think it's really big to try to understand the order of your players' values because those are going to drive a lot of their decision-making and their behavior, which is then going to impact your culture pretty drastically. And we see this in politics. I mean, the reason why we are always kind of split is because the order of the values is just different. And so if I value humanity as my number one value, I might vote one way. If I value
0: security,
1: then then I'm going to maybe vote in a different way. I think most people vote with their values. And I think most people behave with their values in mind.
0: Yeah. And coaches, I'm telling you, it's, it's an activity that takes a little bit of time but it gives you a great understanding of where someone is today and where they want to go. And I think that's really valuable. Um, the thing we would track over the three years is how someone's values might change because, you know, says, oh, you got 16, 17, 18 year old kids, they're going to change and, and we, we anticipate them changing, but we also want to know the ways that they're changing. And I think that's really important for us to be able to anticipate the kind of problems that may, may be ahead of us or the kind of questions they may bring to our desk.
1: Look, this is my own system for how I do it, but I believe you can have different professional values and different personal values. So what I value in myself and my character as a basketball player might look different than what I value off the floor. And that's why sometimes you'll see a guy who is like a cold-hearted killer on the basketball court, but then you meet him outside of it and you're like, oh man, this guy is like a teddy bear. And uh, you know, super kind. It's like, yeah, he he he's bringing out different parts of himself in a different arena. So for me, and I like to combine words to give them more nuance. I'll just give you like how I think about my values. So professionally, I, I say I'm empathetically curious. I believe uh, I value connection. I value energy. I value authenticity and being genuine. I value courageously uh, creativity, courageous creativity. Whereas personal. For me personally, my values are humanity, justice, love, courage, and fulfillment. And so, like, I love humanity and justice and love. I sound like a hippie, but I'm not a social worker. You know, I'm not working at a nonprofit. I I work as a coach. And for me, empathetic curiosity is more important than humanity for what I do and what I value in my work. And then you'll notice there's one word that actually goes into both of those uh, segments, which is courage. And when I did this exercise, I didn't intentionally do that. But all of a sudden, I noticed that courage was a value that showed up both for me professionally and personally. I'm like, shit, like, man, that's probably a big piece of how I hope to see myself and my value. And, uh, you know, I, I value people that are courageous. They inspire me. And courage is something that I, I really do. It's, it's, it's a behavior that I think I probably live with and, and probably seek out in others.
0: Yeah. You know, and I would take my five values and anytime I had a big decision, I'd like, I'd like have them on a card and I'd make sure like when I was going through the decision that I was going through those values, you know, the one thing that's interesting about being in a, in a basketball environment, that's really competitive with young people is you have all these different situations that present themselves often. Um, and sometimes, you know, you may have a kid who's been getting in trouble and you're trying to figure out a way to get them right on, get, get them back on track. And so, Trying not to go against your values, but to also honor the journey of someone else as a leader can be really challenging. Um, and so just knowing where you stand out with things and where you're giving and taking, I think also really matters. Yeah, Jimmy,
1: this is something I don't have to live with. And I was thinking about um, the work and the challenge of the job that, that you all do. And how do you decide? When someone's values, let's just use a player's values are just not aligned with the values of your program and yourself. Like, how do you think about that from, you know, where do you draw the line in the sand and just realize like, Hey, this is not going to work because we
0: don't value the same thing. Yeah. You know, so much of it is you got to get it right on the front end. Um, I, I think that is like getting enough information on the front end to know this person enough I do believe is really important. And it, and it doesn't mean people, it doesn't mean I feel like I got it right every time. I certainly didn't. Because there's no way you can know everything about someone. And you also don't know how people are going to react when they get to a certain situation. You know, Maybe they're a great teammate when they're playing and they are they get to your situation, they're not playing. So they're someone completely different when they're not playing, so they'll know how to handle it. But I would say, for me, honesty is a really big one in self-awareness. If someone's honest about how they're responding and they show that they want help or work with it, I can usually try to figure out a way to do that. Now, sometimes players are taking advantage of that, but I would rather them try to ask for help and be defensive than not. Self-awareness is really key because if you recognize the things you're doing to affect the team, like I'm an adult, so I can get over some things if it's not affecting the team. How I'm would you, But how would you, kind
1: of uh, of sorry, how would you recruit for that? Right? So is it going to the coaching staff, the high school or the AU coaching staff and say, Hey, on a score of 10, how honest is, is Johnny? Uh, like, like, how do you, how do you even find that information? Out? Yeah. So
0: this is kind of like one of my more favorite things to do. Like I, I always say recruiting is like evaluation. It's evaluation, it's relationship building, and then it's hustling. Right. Um, the evaluation part kind of is always going along. And one of the biggest things you try to do in evaluation, most people just look and see how our player plays. Now, I do believe you can learn a lot about a player by watching them play. Um, we work we study so many basketball players watch basketball players we can learn a lot about them when they play
1: sorry can you learn about how
0: self-aware and how honest they are by how they play if after their game you ask them intentional questions and they are unaware of what they're doing then you you can tell pretty quickly um if they're unaware of their body language i would always say if in 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 the recruiting part it's all about you want this person to want to want you to coach them. So if I bring something to them after, again, they play 30 AAU games a summer, and I see them intentionally go out the next game and try to fix it, I know they have a level of self-awareness. Or if they can tell me after the game, oh, you know what, I was off a little bit, X, Y, and Z. But if they come out and they say, coach, man, I was feeling great. I don't know what was going on with the other team. I don't know why they weren't passing me the ball. You can really recognize pretty quickly if they respond with, I, mean, I don't know what my coach is doing at any point or questioning their coaching and stuff. You can you can realize it pretty quickly um on what their self-awareness is and their honesty level. They 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 I don't want to say they go hand in hand, but they're pretty closely linked, I would say. And and how do you think about that? Is it
1: is it more of like a red flag? Like, hey, this is someone we're not going to take. Um, and Hey, those two things aren't aligned with what we need. Um, so it's like, you know what? They can play ball, but if they're going to lack self-awareness and they're going to lack honesty, like we're just probably not going to, we're not going to work.
0: Yeah. I mean, you number one, I think you try to get a, you try to get as many testimonials as possible. So you talk to anyone, you know, like when I'm talking to a kid, if he says, yeah, I was at, you know, Jeffrey's house today then I'm going to try to find a way to get in touch with Jeffrey. I'm going to try to figure out a way to talk and figure out how, you know, I, I want to figure all that out. Or if I go to school and do a school visit, I'm going to spend some time with Jeffrey just at lunch. I think that, I think again, I think it starts there with the evaluation of it and just trying to stick with it. I would say it's hard because you just don't know how they're going to respond in your situation all the time. And these kids now are so good at giving you the right answers that you have to be very intentional with your questioning, and with your follow-up?
1: You know what I've become a big fan of? I mentioned it sort of before. Before we started recording, we were talking about this. Putting a number on, on it, right? Yeah. Like the 1 to 10 thing for me It's like, hey – if you, you ask, know
0: I, you know, I struggle with the one to ten. We actually did this. Brian and I built out these whole assessments. I'm actually gonna build out this assessment to print out, and I have a ton of assessment stuff. But I struggle, you and I talk about this a ton. One to ten, one to five. I feel like so much of it is one or zero.
1: Yeah, but if you if you like, I'll give you an example. So, you know, I I, I worked with Paul the Six High School for a number of years, and these coaches would come by and you know, they'd be like, how is this guy's work ethic? And I'd be like, good. Right. They'd be like, like how is he? Oh, he's a good kid. Like, good kid. Like, in all my years of politics, almost everybody was a good kid. <laughs> like, and like, that's how I saw them, right? Like, I saw them as good kids. That's not giving you a whole lot of information. Right. But if you had asked me, hey, one out of 10, how's how's their work ethic? One out of 10, how honest are they? Right. And, and I always say, and don't give me seven, like no seven, seven safe. It doesn't give me any information. Right. And obviously there are some people that will never give a 10 and that's their thing. But you know, if someone's giving you a nine or an eight, like, okay. Uh, But if it's below that, like that gives you real information. Yeah. Um, Hey, one out of 10, how curious are they? How interested are they in learning? Hey, like here's another thing, Jamie. I've come to think about this. I think there are some coaches that love to have players with personality. And there are some coaches that don't want their kids to have a personality, right? Mm -hmm. There are some coaches that want soldiers and there are some coaches that want artists and soldiers are yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And then there are artists who are highly curious and, and you've had, you've had plenty of artists and and plenty of soldiers. And so like, those are, I need, I need two,
0: I need two soldiers and the rest artist. And we're, we're going to go and be amazing. But if you
1: are thinking you're getting a soldier and that person becomes an artist, like yeah. that's going to be really hard for you. And, and Oh, by the way, what do you want from an artist? What's their role going to be on the team? If they're an artist, but they're the 11th guy on the roster, how's that going to work for you? Right. Or um, you know, if, if they're an artist and you need them to play defense and, you know, just make threes and catch and shoot threes. How's that gonna work? So my point in giving that information is to say like, hey, one out of 10, how much of an artist is this person? Oh, no, 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 they're they're not, they're not. What do you mean by, first of all, they're probably like, what do you mean by artists? Okay, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're creative, they're innovative, they're curious, um, they like to do things outside the box. No, 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 that's not this guy, right? Because if someone had asked me that about the guys at Paul the Sixth, I would have told you like, yeah, yeah, that guy's more of an artist. Now I'm even thinking about the first team I worked with at Paul the Sixth, and those guys, and there were soldiers and there were artists. There were people that were gym rats and people that were not. There were people um, that like, they had different personalities. And I know you like to do a lot of assessments, but- yeah to me like if you can get like into that scoring system and force people to to give a number and then you can follow up with a little more information yeah. but people be like oh what do you think of that I'm like oh good kid great kid I, I like that was I I said it over and over and actually like I was at a GW game over the weekend and I was sitting with someone like yeah good kid good kid good kid good kid <laughs> like like that's that's like I think most people are good so you're going to a good kid for me uh, yeah. anyway so yeah
0: yeah no it's a, it's a It's a great question. We, you know, we obviously use the tap test. So we would uh, test a lot of our guys to kind of learn just via the test and the personality test, how they operate under pressure, which was a really good resource for us. It would give you, it would give you good information. Wouldn't give you everything, but it'd give you a lot of good information. Um, But there's obviously certain things with tests that I feel like people can kind of, you know, they can trick, they can trick the test some if they kind of, they're good test takers. But I like that idea of like maybe defining artists, I put artists, cowboys and soldiers down. Right and um, and just trying to have a balance on the roster. You know, when I think of a soldier, I had a guy named Evan Fisher. He's now assistant coach at Susquehanna, um, and he actually wanted to be a soldier. When I got to Siena, I said, "What do you want to do next year?" And and I thought this guy would be our starting center and be one of the best players in the MAC. And he goes, "You know, I think I want to go be a, a Navy SEAL." You know, <laughs> and I was thinking, "Whoa!" Like, you know, and I was thinking, "Wow, man!" Like, I think you can really play basketball. Um, and so then that year, he ended up having one of the biggest turnarounds of the year. He's amazing. And then he played, played a year or two overseas. But it just, when I think of a soldier, I've been so good with like one or two soldiers. Um, and, and everyone said, man, this guy's really hard to work with. could be really hard to work with. He could be hot headed. And me and him got along like, I mean, it was perfect to how we could interact because I knew who he was. He knew where I was. And he was going to go do whatever was asked of him. And of course, environments
1: change too. So, like, I've been around a lot of Navy SEALs some of them are freaking artists um, like literally artists. And, uh, uh, and so like, I, I'm, we're, we're simplifying it, but I, I also think like having a vision of what this person's going to look like in our program and um, how do we bring their personality out? And like, I've worked with uh, pro sports coaches where they're like, man, I want guys with personality. Like I want to walk into the gym and be able to talk to these guys and then like, like get to know them and feel the energy in the room. And then, The other thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is just the word leadership. And I think we don't do a good enough job recruiting leaders. And I don't mean captains or managers, so to speak, in the business sense. I mean leaders. And to me, like I'm getting much clearer on what a leader is. I think a leader is just someone who positively influences the team. Like they are focused on positively influencing the team. And When we're recruiting, we often recruit for, of course, skill set, execution, performance, potential, length, size, athleticism, you name it. But what would it look like if you legitimately had 10 people on your team who were always focused on positively influencing the team? From my lens, it also involves personality. And I'm not suggesting it has to be an extrovert, um, but it does have to be someone who, when I walk in the gym is an energy giver and is someone who is going to positively influence the team. I'm pretty big on this right now because I think we undervalue leaders. We undervalue guys that make a positive on the team. And at the end of the day, basketball is a sport and sports are won by the best teams. It's really not all that complicated. And of course you need talent to win, but I don't know what, what, how are you thinking about leadership as you've got some time away from the game and, and you're observing and you're watching things? Um, am I overvaluing it? Is this just a, a phase for me that a year from now I'm going to be like, oh, Brian, you over, you overspoke. You know, we always
0: go on, we, you and I go on these little uh, these little phases where we dive into certain things really deeply. Um, you know, I don't think so. Um, you know, when I think of our best teams that I've had, I had a few of them through the years, they had a lot of, a lot of people who had influence, that recognize the level of influence that they had would own the influence that they had. I personally believe everyone has a level of influence over someone. The level of influence is really important. The other reason I think it's really important is, and I think Pete krill said this, everyone who has the ball is the point guard. So you need a lot of people. This actually came to me. This is going to sound really simple. The reason basketball is the hardest sport to play is because everyone has to have the ability to make decisions. Everyone. Defensively and offensively, you have to be able to make decisions. Everyone has to lead. If I'm if I'm the last man in help defense and I'm underneath the basket and something happens out in front of me and I see, I have to be able to communicate and I have to be able to lead in that moment. No, later on, I might be at top of the key. I now need, I now need to follow. It's the only sport where everyone. Is truly connected on their decision making. And you can tell when you watch teams play, when they're not connected, it's really mostly on their decision making. I don't trust the decision that someone's gonna make. Yeah, and so you can see think-
1: the teams that are connected and it's fluid and it's beautiful and it's just like art. I, but I want to make this really clear. I used to believe that leadership was simply influence. That's it. That's it's a one-word answer. Yeah. I don't think I, think, I don't think that I don't think that is a strong enough definition for what leadership is. I think leadership is positive influence on the team, positive influence on the team. And on the team is just as important in that definition. Like, are you a plus player or are you a negative player? And are you a plus person or a negative person? (laughs) And like, to me, I'm, you know, think of like the worst person in the history of earth. They all have influence where a cancer on a team has influence. They're not a leader. They're not. They're, yeah. they're they're not getting anyone to go in a certain direction. And to your point, of course, a leader can be a follower uh, and, and step back. There's a time when a head coach needs to step back. There's a time when a head coach needs to step forward. They're still having a positive influence on the team when they're stepping back. Like that. that's not... It's not a negative influence. And so I'm like pretty big on this. If I was constructing a team, all right, of course, can they play ball? Like that probably needs to be one. And then I think right behind that is, are they a leader? Simple. Like I... Like, beyond, like, being... Because, like, if you had recruited me in, in high school, that would have been a big mistake on your part. It wouldn't have ended well, no matter what kind of leader I was, because I wasn't good enough. Like, like I, I'm not one of these people. I think you have to be talented and skilled and, and like, play ball. Yeah. But next, like, right behind it is, do they positively influence the people around them in the team? And I always think, like, greatness, the definition of greatness is you make others better. Like, that's it. And so what if you had a team filled with people that were just obsessed with impacting them. And by the way, it doesn't mean that they don't confront. It doesn't mean that they're positive all the time. Like sometimes being a positive influence on the team is actually saying something quite negative. That might be what's needed to have a positive influence on the team. Hey guys, you're not going out tonight. Maybe like, maybe you need someone to do that. Or maybe you need someone to, Um, stand up for a teammate and push somebody. And like that happens sometimes, but they're being a positive influence on the team. I'm just giving other examples because I don't think it's just be positive. I think it's, hey, they are focused on making this team better. I guarantee you, if you ask people in the NBA about Steven Adams, they will say that guy has a positive influence on his team, whether it's setting screens, being there for his teammates, um, you know, doing what needs to be done. Like the guy is a leader, Like that is just simple. Um, He has a positive influence on the team. Like what would it take for us to go out and hunt those guys and find those guys and bring those guys to your program?
0: Yeah. You know, Steven Adams spent about a week with us at GW came in one summer. was kind of touring Washington, DC. He spent about a week just shooting around at GW, spending time with our players, a thousand percent, just a, a leader. I mean, just someone that you want to be around every single day. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, all these good guards have had really great years when he's with them. <laughs> you know, Westbrook, John Moran, I mean, there's a reason for that. His ability to make them better, his understanding, not just understanding of the game, but understanding of what they need and his ability to have a relationship with them on the floor is, is pretty unique. Yeah, I think in recruiting, there's so much smoke. It's harder to know who a person really is because they know what to say. They know what not to say. Um, you know, athletes in general are great at protecting their persona um, and not letting people in. Um, so I, I although I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I think it's very hard to do. I think it is obviously very possible to make that a priority.
1: And look, 14 to 18 year olds is very different than 18 to 23 year olds. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've interviewed players at the NBA combine. I've interviewed players for the NHL. I've interviewed players for the MLS. and you know, you'd interview an 18-year-old kid, and then you'd interview a 23-year-old kid. Uh, it was always like the Michigan State kids would come in, and I'd be like, gosh, these kids are – they're just different, right? Uh, and then you get like some of the one-and-done kids, uh, like the Kentucky kids, for example. Um, and, yeah, of course there were exceptions to the rule, but when – you know, I would interview 20 to 25 players, and they just come in one after the next – and the age the difference between those two was staggering and it's one of the reasons why I think your job is so unique and interesting which is you really can make a huge impact on their ability to positively influence the team it positively influence society um and you you listen to for example NBA players communicate uh as a 25 year old and it's night and day than what they sound like when they're a 15 year old and so I would just emphasize that I I it sounds cliche. It sounds like something that people say all the time. I don't think people actually focus on it. And I don't think they actually identify, well, what are the qualities and traits that will lead to them positively influencing our team, in our environment, in our situation. Being at George Washington University is different than being at Towson, is different than being at Maryland, is different than being at American University, right? And so those environments are different. And so you also have to think about that when when you're looking at yeah, kids. Yeah, that,
0: that's, that's such a good point. I mean, you know, a lot of times when we we're bringing, we brought a lot of transfers in. We brought a lot of high-profile transfers. I think we had three or four top seventy-five players coming out of high school that transferred in, coming from really good programs, and the reprogramming from the stuff they had learned at other programs—not um, good or bad, just just different stuff. I mean, just different ways of life, how we operated. I will say took a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. A part of it, I think, what makes you a top 75 player, maybe a top 100 player, maybe your stubbornness. and maybe your determination. And maybe that's a big attribute that allows you to be the player that you are. But I always thought the reprogramming just took a lot longer. It didn't mean we didn't get there. I think we got there with all the guys eventually. But it took longer than a 17-, 18-year-old kid that was coming in green, not really knowing what college basketball should look like. And now we get a chance to present this for them and allow them to go and attack it.
1: You know, I I think environment also matters. And for coaches, it's up to you to set an environment to help your guys thrive. And then you said earlier, like, how can you find the guys that have a calling card? And so when I'd interview players, I'd always look for like, all right, where do they hang their hat? And if it's just on their talent or being good, they're missing something, right? Um, And so uh, there are a lot of players that I'd interview, whether it's their curiosity, or they had a growth mindset, or their obsession with the game or um, a desire to win championships or I don't care, desire to be a hall of famer, but there needs to be something there that they're going to hang their hat on either as a motivation or as a philosophy that is going to help them fulfill their potential.
0: You know, um, I don't know if I've said, told you this before, but you know, you, you win the game, the buzzer goes off and you go down and shake hands with the opposing coaches is the opposing team. And that opposing coach is always really gracious. And you probably don't see this on TV. When you do it, you go through and shake hands. They always let the the team that lost kind of get off the floor before they release the rope so the kids can run onto the to the floor. And I remember the first time, you know, I brought my family down. So when I came back around, I could connect them, I could grab my son Jakoi. I remember the first time this happened, we come back and just as I got to my son, the confetti gun goes off you know, and it's like, poof and it's loud. I mean, it's a loud, like you don't realize, and it, these kids are racing onto the floor and it's kind of dangerous, you know, I mean, they're sprinting on and the confetti gun goes off and I'm like, hold my son. I'm trying to, you know, love your, love your kid. And he's trying to catch the confetti and just over his shoulder, I could see our players and all those fans reaching out to catch the same confetti. And it was like such a surreal moment for me because it's like, we're living this dream together. It's community. It's a community. Yeah. You know, and I could see in my son's eyes, the excitement that he had. And I've seen those players, the same excitement because they're experiencing that for the first time together. It was just like such an amazing feeling to be within that moment and be present, you know, with everyone there. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you a funny story. I've never said this on air or recorded anywhere. Uh, I was I went to Syracuse for undergrad, and I'm the same age as Carmelo Anthony. And so, uh, our freshman year, uh, we won you know the championship. And so, I went down to New Orleans, and you know, with all my buddies, uh, there's no better place for a college <laughs> Final Four if you're a freshman. Uh, I think I need, New Orleans should host a Final Four every year. That's just a whole nother story that that I deeply believe in, but. So I'm walking down Bourbon Street, I'm popping into places I probably shouldn't be going into. And I look over my shoulder and there's Mike Tarico. And Mike Tirico into Syracuse. And I just walk off to him, and I'm like, Mike, we did it, we did it! And he looks at me and he goes, hey, congratulations, man, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like, okay. I yelled, you suck. And I, you know, chanted and and stood up and clapped, but I tell that story. Cause like, yeah, I was saying to someone yesterday about the power of college athletics and this person didn't go to a school where they had that. And they were saying like, yeah, I really missed that, that pride, that community, that sense of we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And you know, I, I think you can get that as a fan, you can get that as a player, you can get that as a coach. And that's what makes sports special. And so um, we should always remember that if we're lucky enough to be involved in sports, the power of that. We've talked about Glenn a lot, but Glenn has a phrase that he uses with his guys. He says, share the game. And I always love that phrase because mm-hmm. it's not just about them sharing the basketball, it's about them sharing the game with their community, with their school. And that's always stuck with me. And I think sometimes we get jaded and forget about that. I think sometimes pro teams forget about that. And yet when you have, like we were fortunate in Washington to see the Caps win the Stanley Cup and the Nats win the World Series. Like what it, it does is it brings the community together and and you share in that. And if you win and, and you don't get to share in it, is it really winning? Probably not. So uh, I think it's a good reminder for all of us.
0: I love it. I love it. I'm are coming here to a close, we always do this thing here on last call. I know you listen, so you you probably have an idea what I'm going to ask here. But it's the end of the night. You have a friend on your left who's retired. You have a friend on your right who's still kind of active and working. Can't be any family members. Well, who's on your left? Who's on your right?
1: Kobe Bryant is somebody that I just would have liked to spend some time with. I don't think I'm that similar to him the exception of a desire to learn. Um, I think his hunger, his drive, his obsessiveness, his work ethic is like so superior to mine, which I admire. But I'd also want to know about like his mistakes and his failures. And when he retired, and that's why I went there, I was way more interested after he was retired than I was when he was playing. And so once he Retired, he became more open and shared how he saw the game, and he became way more lovable and likable. Um, and I feel like he was taken from us when he was just getting started. Um, and so that's who I think of, like, from a retirement standpoint, someone who's still going. Like I would think about the president of the United States as someone regardless of who it is, that I'd be interested when they are in that role. Like what's going through their day-to-day and and like spend time
0: with the president of the United States just because the magnitude of it. Well, I appreciate it always, my friend. Where can we find you at?
1: Yeah, so my company's called Strong Skills. Uh so it's strongskills.co and then I like to uh, play is what I call it on Twitter and LinkedIn
0: at Briar Levinson or, or both of those places. Thanks for your time, and I appreciate it always. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on the last call powered by Speakeasy, where careers grow through relationships and relationships grow through Speakeasy. We hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to connecting with you soon.